As a thankful recipient of many, many skincare products over the years, I've learned to discern what is naturally actually activating my skin to rebalance and recalibrate on its own. That's what your skin is meant to be doing, and it keeps getting disrupted by all these choices that we make. So, when the founder and creator of Herbal Face Food reached out to me, I was all ears. I didn't know why at first. It turns out that Herbal Face Food is the most potent antioxidant skincare line on the market today, period. The raw plant ingredients in each of their products are never processed, never manipulated with synthetics or emulsifiers. These anti-aging botanicals are combined with the most precious plant concentrates, and they have changed my skin. Here's how. I'm going to talk about two of the products, the Herbal Face Food Serums and the Cream. The serums contain powerful phytoenzymes and antioxidants. These are activated and infused into your tissues. They hydrate and increase the resiliency of your skin, and they feel like they're plumping up your face. I use Serum 1 daily. I use Serum 2 when I'm tired and I need extra firming for my skin. And I use the X, which is also known as the Cure, for a small patch of rosacea that flares up every now and again, which you cannot see because of these products. When you feed your skin with herbal face food, you will feel real live ingredients at work. An activating flush, an invigorating tingle, some warmth, all of these are evidence of your skin healing at the cellular level and years of damage reversing. The cream is the most potent moisturizer I've ever tried, and I've tried them all. I live in the high desert. This cream contains 102 of the world's most powerful anti-aging botanicals and is also the world's first and only edible SPF <laughs> with a protection rating of SPF 50+. Plus. And this is accomplished 100% by plant power. And you can expect intense hydration, soothing for your tired skin. You can expect to see inflammation calmed and rebuilding of elasticity so your complexion looks and feels more smooth, and more radiant. Herbal face food is not plant-based. It's plant-powered. It has the highest rating on the ORAC anti-aging scale. ORAC means oxygen radical absorbance capacity. I never knew what that meant before. Highest, over 30 million on that scale. By contrast, vitamin C in skincare rates under 100,000. Herbal face food is using all post-consumer recycled materials and packaging. They use glass and aluminum, which is super easy to recycle as well. The products and packaging are 99% free of plastics. They contain no ingredients that involve the destruction or harm of any plant, animal, or marine life. These are 100% plants only, these products. These active concentrates are coming from the seeds, the fruits, the leaves, or the flowers of the plants only. These products have been a complete revolution for me. I know that you will love the way your skin looks and feels after using it even for just a day or two. And the best part is that Herbal Face Food has offered us, you, my community, a code to receive 20% off forever, ever. The code is capital E-L-E-N-A 20. Once again, that's my name in all caps, ELENA2020. The site is herbalfacefood.com. The code is all caps ELENA20. It's not just your first purchase, it's any purchase. You will love these products, and I am so grateful, Herbal Face Food, for the change that you have made in my life. Thank you. Welcome to the Practice You podcast. My name is Elena Brower. Together, we'll explore and enjoy content and conversations around mastering transitions. In our relations, our wellness, our careers, our families, and especially in our missions and visions. You are invited to learn and love and listen with me. Welcome to Practice You. Welcome back to the podcast. I have with me a new friend, Erin Douglas. She is the founder of the Black Burner Project. And I am so excited, especially to be talking to you now because we are all missing 
The burn. Yes. Oh my God. I went from 2010 to 2014 nonstop. And I stopped going when I got sober. Not that the two need to be conflated, but for me, right. it was just easy. I so look forward to hearing your story of how you got to the playa and what inspired the Black Burner Project. But right now, I would like to take a moment of silence for the burn that I was supposed to finally go to 2020. Ah, oh. oh, I'm so ripped that we will all miss this year. Um, yeah. I just want to say a big, huge shout out to the Burning Man community, Black Rock City. We are all there in spirit prepping right this second as we speak. It's mid-August. And just thank you. Thank you, Erin, for being here on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You bet. So you started, you're a travel culture lifestyle doc photographer. You're a creative culture consultant. You're a writer. You discovered your love for photography on a so I love that you took a solo trip to the Philippines. Yeah. Good girl. Yeah. And <laughs> you actually work with brands, lifestyle travel space, you work sort of in marketing also conveying as you say a more organic brand story for brands which i just want to highlight in case you're listening to this and you need that sort of a service this would be a very good person to call she oh. is uh you know really a creative consultant erin and it's really nice to know her seeing her work and blackburnerproject.com i will remind you again at the end to check it out it's it's so beautiful the ig live series that you've done uh, yeah. is exceptional i've been on a couple my god you're 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 asking the funnest questions you are <laughs> your guests are so full of heart and soul and i just really appreciate everything that you're doing so thank you thank you yeah um and you created this in 2018 true yeah, I started documenting for the project specifically in 2018. So that was my second year attending Burning Man. How did you get to the playa in the first place in 2017? I Well, I had known about it for several years through a close friend. Great friends, Robin and Drew, decided to gift me with a ticket for my birthday um, in 2017. And I didn't ask any questions. They just said, you're going. And I said, okay. I was nervous and I just wasn't sure what I was getting myself into, but I trust, I trust them immensely. So I went with it and took all the advice they gave me in preparation and recognized some of the nerves that I had going into Burning Man were different than I was used to experiencing as a solo traveler. So I, you know, I kind of kept that to the side and recognized that hmm, this is interesting. I'm nervous. I'm expecting to be in a space where there's not many people who look like me, don't know how I'm going to feel um, in an environment that, you know, such an environment that like everything that it encompassed was were things that I, I wasn't used to. And I, and I also just didn't know what to expect, especially when you're coming from what we call the default world with all the misconceptions and ideas and thoughts around what Burning Man is and who it's for. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's what, that's what got me there, though. <laughs> and certainly all the pictures that we see, you know, floating around the Internet. And it's, it's, up until you took the helm, it's mostly white people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what I saw when it came, you know, just even in getting inspiration for clothes and what to pack. And you don't see any brown people very, very much. You know, when you go on Pinterest, mm -hmm. there's there's no representation in general, unless you put in, you know, black person doing this, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so when it came to getting some type of inspiration, that's not what I saw. So I was just, and, and then I also just didn't know anyone. My my friend who gifted me a ticket is Latina, and I, like I said, I trusted her. But there was there was still no one to ask who had hair just like mine, skin just like mine, and just coming from the perspective um, in the in you know in the world like me, uh, how they felt. And so I, I you know, I it wasn't going to stop me. Like right. I said, I'm I'm used to ex traveling the world, right. and only seeing people 
who look like me, you know, or not seeing people who look like me, actually, for the most part, when I'm traveling alone, sometimes the entire time I'm traveling, sometimes just, you know, several, several days into my trip. Um, you know, I grew up in a diverse, um, you know, I grew up in New York, so I was used to diversity, and I, but I was also used to being one of few and, you know, growing up in, in school. So it, it was definitely an interesting feeling to have, even though I was used to not being completely always surrounded by people who look like me. So I, that's what really made me interested in these feelings, mm-hmm. um, nerves that I was experiencing. You know, if you're listening to this and you're wondering what on earth are we going on about, Burning Man takes place in a lake bed in Nevada. And we basically set up a town, a temporary town that is up in its full effect for the sum total of one week. You are living in a very alkaline, super fine, dusty environment And so when Aaron is referencing, like, what is it like for somebody who has my color skin or my color hair, my kind of hair, texture hair, like the dust is real. And it really helps to have somebody to help you navigate, even just down to the wardrobe, the protection, the products, sun, all these considerations. Um, Oh, yeah. So that's what I just want to make clear for somebody who might be listening who hasn't been to Burning Man. It is a very particular thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything about Burning Man is is different. And, and in, on top of if you're not used to being, you know, camping, but camping in the desert, like the elements itself it is its own thing, own experience that takes some time to get used to, um, you know, coming from the East Coast. So it's just it's just a different place. And so not having someone to talk to was definitely a little bit nerve wracking. And, and, and once I did find someone, um, both a black guy, a male and female and have these conversations, I recognized my shoulders relaxing a little bit, you know, and mm-hmm. that was interesting for, for me as well being like, Oh, wow, that's all it took was just some, you know, clarification and reiteration of just, you'll be You'll be fine. It's amazing. Just go out there have the time of your life, do this with your hair. Mm. This is the mistake I made, you know, um, and Mm -hmm. and that's it. (laughs) Right. Right. It's the sweetest part of your website, though. The stories are so wonderful. When you click on the burner stories, the the leading photograph, if you go to blackburnerproject.com forward slash blog, the photograph is a, a pair of man's hands gesticulating with some of the coolest rings I've ever seen, like little oh, pink yeah. studded diamonds on a skull ring. Gorgeous. <laughs> What's crazy about this picture, Aaron, is that I have on my little altar in my closet a slice of an actual printed Kodak photograph from sometime in the 80s of my grandparents sitting at my bat mitzvah, of all things, but I sliced only their hands going across on the table. And it's like almost exactly the same sort of perspective as this particular shot. It speaks volumes in both cases about what the feeling is. And when you get to Burning Man, if you haven't been, you feel completely held in a space of full, free expression and clarity. Even Mm -hmm. in chaos, dancing, busy, lots of people moving around. There's something that's so clear about it. And I thought it might be nice to hear some of your story. What inspired you the most the first year? What moved you to create this project? Well, I mean, the the experience itself, my first year was, and still is really hard to put into words or phrase or sentence. It was definitely overwhelming. And, it, you know, when I left, I still wasn't even sure what I just experienced, how I felt. I knew part of me wanted to go back. Part of me was still unsure, you know, but what was clear during that time of decompression, which I didn't believe was a real thing beforehand, mm. uh, was how many things I reflected on that I didn't know I was feeling or experiencing out on the burn that just didn't happen the same way during my regular solo travels internationally. So I I knew that even though Burning Man was this place 
in the States, um, there was something about the experience that was more or transformative in a different way than just in my, than my other travels. And I, I also knew that there were so many, so much to unpack around what I experienced and what I learned about myself Mm. that was going to take a a while. And for me personally, and I, I know it's a, it's an individual experience for everyone. So where you come in is gonna, you know, decipher what you experience and how you feel. And sometimes it takes people like myself a little bit longer to to let go um, and to completely give in to the the um, everything that is Burning Man, like radical self expression. Yeah. Um, those are things I was not used to in the default world, and so. Just being able to do that at Burning Man has taken longer for me, but I've seen I've seen myself evolve in um, ways where if I hadn't gone, you know, I don't know where I would be mentally or spiritually inner, you know, in a in an inner sense if I'd never gone to Burning Man. So I knew that there was like very something very special that I couldn't always pinpoint, but that people were missing out on it solely because they didn't think that it was a space for them and people meaning black and and brown people. Uh, And so to me, it was unfortunate that they were missing out on this opportunity only because of that. And it didn't always have to do with the fact that they wouldn't do it. It was one that they didn't know it was existed. And Mm -hmm. two, there was this apprehension around if it was a space that was welcoming and open to them and what kind of experience will they have as a person of color, considering the experience we have to go through every day. In the default world. In the default, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, it's hard when, when to explain that and for everyone it's different. For a Black male, it's going to be different for them than me in terms of your experience in the everyday default life. But it's it's not easy and, and also recognizing how how many of the experiences we have have been based off of our skin color alone. It's really hard to, to grasp the concept of people accepting and loving you and, not, you know, looking past all those things, when, you know, in, in this space. So and then not seeing yourself kind of gives clarification like, OK, well, not only are, are we probably not really welcome, this is just something that we don't do, I guess. So it's a mix of keeping ourselves in these boxes that have been kind of given to us as like people who don't do quote unquote these things. Mm-mm. And then also just visually the impact of what the lack of representation does to someone like subconsciously. Yeah. I've been working with this for the last three months really assiduously because I, as a kid, was obsessed with the beauty of brown skin. And now I'm officially obsessed with the severe lack of education that I received in remediating that problem. Mm -hmm. But what I thought about as I have contemplated for the last several days interviewing you is what it would feel like to have brown or black skin on the playa with all these white people. Mm-hmm. Just and the, and I realize, you know what? It's sort of like I, I this can't be a proper comparison, but I'm just going to make it anyway. As a Jew, when I went to Israel for the first time, and I felt like my entire nervous system was in a totally different zone because suddenly I was with all Jewish people. Right. I had a feeling that if I was of color and went to Burning Man, the way that I perceive Burning Man anyway, as a white Jewish girl, I felt like maybe that would be a really welcoming, safe zone. Mm-hmm. Was that your experience? Um, what you mean? So... Meaning walking into Burning Man as a black or brown person and being completely welcomed. I think it wasn't my experience because it's not that I didn't feel welcomed. I think it's just that my my focus and my thoughts are different because 
you're noticing that you are one of few. So it wasn't that I personally didn't have welcoming experiences and different Mm. connections that were definitely different and opposite of what I have with strangers in the default world. Mm. You're also very conscious of the fact that you are one of few, even if you're used to being one of few. It's in fact the opposite of what I presented. And I just learned something really important. You know, there's a lot of individual context that you're bringing to that based on what your experience has been in the default world. Um, And, and people have, uh, you know, a lot of people have explained it as it's not that I didn't feel black. I just felt less black. It's the place I've, I've, I've gone where I've felt the most like least black ever, you know, where I still were black, there's still moments. But in the in at Burning Man, there was a lot of opportunities that that happened that that wouldn't happen in the default world where Got I it. didn't have to think about it. Got but it. also in the sense, you know, when I try to explain to white burners, it's like it's like working for Company A, yeah. and you're told that all of Company A was going to show up in this location, right? And so you go alone, waiting to see all of people from company A, but it seems like there is a company B and that's all the people who are there. And so you're assuming that you're in the wrong place because all you're seeing is like people who (laughs) exist, but they aren't with, you know, and so like from the outside, that's what it feels like. It's like, okay, there's nothing saying that I'm not supposed to be here. It's just showing company B. So maybe I'm not supposed to be here. Maybe I got something wrong. Maybe I'm not you know, maybe something's off. And then like slowly company A, everyone from company A starts to come. And, and company B is not a bunch of assholes. They're, they're nice and fine. Yeah. Not who we were, you know, they're just not a part of the group that you were a part of. And yeah. so it just seems unwelcoming or like you got something wrong or you're not, you're just in the wrong place. And then when people start to come from company A, you feel a little bit more relaxed and you feel okay. And it's nothing about one person being better than the other. I get that. For my white listener, I just learned something that I bring my whiteness into every assumption and I have to keep on relearning and checking that because that was a case of that, even though walk into a country like Israel and be anywhere and know that you're surrounded by Jews, I'm still white and Mm -hmm. they're all still white. It's a totally different thing. So thank you for that. At the end of the day, it's hard to understand. And that's the yeah. point. It's it's hard to understand. And so people have, can't grasp it and thus think that we're saying these things just to say, you know, <laughs> say them or like, you know, think that actions need to be taken to specifically focus on different groups. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you know, like we're the company that has existed all the time and you felt welcome and there's nothing there's nothing that's really out there to put you in the negative, you know? Yeah. Um, so you're just rocking around the daily life, you know, just being, whereas yeah. the rest of people are trying to be and yeah. forced to be. And, you know, it, it's just different. And so, but I get it. It's hard. When I've, when I've mentioned the project out on the playa, I've had several times where people have this random reflection and say, oh my gosh, it's not diverse here. Yeah, where they they suddenly realize it. Yeah, but that that's something that I, I notice you know every day, and but it's just not what they've had to mm. feel. Mm-mm-mm. I liked um, a lot of the commentary on the blog. There are a few entries, and I I just loved a lot of the lines. Like I I still can't figure it out what the magic is. Like yeah, there isn't a way to possibly convey it without just getting someone to show up there mm-hmm. and yeah. I feel I, I feel really just thankful to you because you're you're setting a path that nobody else has set before and you're creating mm-hmm. a space for black and brown folks to show up and feel like they have a, a place there yeah I mean that my part of my just regular everyday work or the passion behind my work has always been 
to hopefully inspire, encourage someone to travel who maybe never traveled or travel mm-hmm. to this location or to, to go on a solo trip. Mm-hmm. So I think this kind of puts, you know, purpose with, with passion, the project does. It's always, you know, I'm hoping that it's it makes an impact where it helps people feel that that ease that I felt when I finally talk to someone to um, that it's, it's okay and you're welcomed here and it's an amazing place to explore and and to encourage people to to take the opportunity to invest in something like Burning Man as a an investment in themselves just like travel is and so you know that's all I hoped for was to encourage people to go <laughs> right. uh, and and particularly people of color. I mean, anyone I'll encourage to go who, who poses a question and curiosity, but I think it's just so important for, for more of us to be seen in so many spaces. Yeah, I agree. Including, including Burning Man, because there, I like to say there are some amazing potential burners out there that either don't know about it or just learning out about it or have known about it and haven't experienced it yet just because um, because they haven't seen themselves. And who would bring so much to the community. Oh, yeah. Oh right. And who would bring so much to the community. And, and the fact that not only has someone who's known about it for 10 years, but hasn't gone because of that, has has missed out on whatever Burning Man would have brought to their life and whatever these new connections would have brought to their life. But the playa is also, and the, and the community has, has also lost out on that opportunity. And it's you know, 10 years prior, you know, I agree with and that. So now. It took one person to tell me they had known about it for 10 years and be super, you know, excited to, to be able to have someone like me as a tangible person that they can reach out to just to be like, is it okay? Am I gonna, mm-hmm. you know, should I go? Um, and just thinking about, man, if they had gone 10 years ago, I wonder what that would have been like for them. You know, right. maybe they would have only gone once, maybe they would have gone Many, many Every times. year since, yeah. and um, what what that would have opened up for them, who knows? But you know, that's unfortunate that that something like them not seeing themselves stopped them from finding that out. It's interesting. I have a group of friends, probably about twenty or thirty people of color, really close friends of mine for the last some of them for the last fifteen twenty years. They did an art piece last year. The big uh, was it last year? Or the year before the giant comb. Oh, the Afro pick, yes. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. I wasn't yes. there, but I watched every second on the burn cam and did notice the dance party that happened the night that it happened at the Afro pick, and it was insanely great. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of those friends, I'm just wondering now if they know about you. I'm reading. Yeah. Do you know them? Have you met them? I, it's funny. So that was kind of the kickoff to my project. And the reason why I went early. No way. Because my friend Robin, who's, who invited me, sent me the link that this piece was going to be out there. No. And I was, I was considering going, I think, Monday or Tuesday. And then I was like, you know what? Let me go Sunday so that I can get there for the reveal. I didn't stay for the party because I, I was actually working my, my happy hour. But I went out there to search for the Afro pick and I couldn't find it. And it was right near and, center camp though. It was right near. It was, but there was a dust storm and everyone that I <sighs> asked didn't know where it was. Oh and so God. I went on this search. I mean, when I say dust storm, it was just like in the air. It was no like passing through. So I couldn't see anything in mm-hmm. the distance. And so I remember stopping and this piece of paper was just flying towards me. And some woman was also flying after the piece of moop and I was able to catch it in my wheel. And she was so thankful. She brought me out. She wanted to treat me to pickles and stuff. This was like in the middle of the playa. And this is such a playa story. I can't, first of all, moop for if you're listening means yes. matter out of place. And pickles on the playa are hot commodity because they're yes. full of salt and they help you stay hydrated and satisfied for a long period of time in the dust. Go on. Oh, yeah. So she's, they have this like, you know, open air camp with a bouncer that's dancing to the music that's oh all God. around. Oh God. I'm like there <laughs> yeah, right like, now. She just caught, she's like, she caught the move. She caught my paper, blah, blah, blah. And then I, I say my goodbyes and I still didn't know. I asked them where the Afro pick was. I still mm-hmm. didn't know. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't know. So I go to mount my bike and literally as I'm put, putting my leg over the bike, I, uh, the dust clears and it's right in front of my face. Of course. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh my gosh, there of it course. goes. And so I go over there and I was hoping that everyone was going to be there. Mm. No one's there except for someone working in there. And I climbed to the top and I said, mm. you know, and then he just looks over and he's like, oh, there's everyone. And everyone, everyone who was part of the team was coming towards me. And, you know, and I was like, this is perfect. So I, you know, I just climbed down and take photos of everyone. And, but it wasn't until recently, literally maybe last week where I connected with someone who was in the photo that I had taken. I didn't know only person who I talked to was Hank was Thomas. Dude, I can connect you straight to, uh, to Jason. Yeah, I, well, she, the person, uh, uh, her name escapes me right now, mm-hmm. but she was in the photo and she sent me everyone who was in the photo and she's like, oh my gosh, um, she hadn't seen some of the photos I'd taken. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, that was kind of like the first time I was like, I've had these photos for two years, but I didn't know who was in them. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, so it was literally basically the first photos I had taken wow. um, of the project technically. Um so that's always my my fun story to to uh, to cool story because I'm like I was looking for it I couldn't find it and, <laughs> and there it was y'all that's how that's how the playa works we say that the playa provides oh and it's such magical ways <laughs> that's how it works I loved reading about Moses last thing before I ask you my my three favorite questions Moses whose playa name is Headmaster I would die mm-hmm. to meet him. His quote was really cool. Why is Burning Man so unique, you asked, and what's so different than traveling to other places? And he said, I've been to 41 countries. And when I first got there, I lost my mind. I thought, this cannot be real. I'm a really tall black man. I've had to learn to survive and maneuver. And when I got there, meaning Burning Man, I didn't have to perform, even around all these white people. Mm -hmm. Regardless of everyone's background, I think this is what gave me the, uh, the impression. Regardless of everyone's background, when you're at the burn, there is an an intention to live with love, to be open to other people. People are allowed to express themselves. Being able to drop your guard and let your true spirit show, it's what's expected, which I really appreciated. And at, at the very least, what's nice to see is that your project has legs you know, yeah. and I think it's going, it's going places. I really, I felt strongly enough about it that I wanted to have you on here because I feel it's so important to, first of all, honor the playa at this moment in time. And second of all, to just honor the people of color who contribute to every single community who have not been seen enough. Yeah. Yeah. I thank you. Yeah. There are three questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is, what is your favorite view? And this can be from anywhere, from inside, outside, some place, some time, anything. My favorite view? Yeah. Hmm. And is this visually or it can be anything? I had young Pueblo, Diego Perez, who answered that his favorite view is from within his brain during meditation. Ah. My favorite view when I think about it is the backside of my kid's neck. He's like <laughs> almost 14, but like at any age, I could say that that would be my favorite view, my favorite place to put my eyes. Yeah, it can be anything. Wow, my favorite. I have like three. Name them. Th- three different scenarios. So one, when I think about Burning Man, my favorite view is watching people watch the sunrise. Oh, God bless. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. And it doesn't matter if you're standing behind them or in front of them. It's just as good in either case. Oh, yeah. Um, Which is one of the things that I took photos of starting my first year and would them um, several weeks later. And everyone would somehow keep the little piece of paper that I gave them and reach out a month later. Um, and then even though my little pup is no longer with me, Mm. I love looking at him walk his little booty shake and walk (laughs) when we would go on our walks. And I miss, I miss seeing my little, my little dog Lennox, Mm. um, and then two, I think 
my view is, I think, as a photographer, recognizing that when I'm looking, I'm looking in a different way than everyone else. And I don't realize that until, you know, some time of having a conversation or, or realizing I see something really small and that I'm probably the only person who notices this mm-hmm. little leaf and mm-hmm. how it's situated or putting a story behind something I'm seeing and the the music I hear in the background. Mm-hmm. So I think in my view as a photographer, I um, really appreciate it and don't always realize how lucky I am. Right, right. So sweet. <laughs> Thanks for asking that. Yeah. And then the first question that I usually ask is what needs healing right now, but we all know what needs healing. Mm-hmm. we got to get this guy out of office and we know what oh, needs yes. to happen. Um, But the third question is a sweet one. And then I have one more observation. What does prayer mean to you? I think prayer for me is recognizing, recognizing the things that I'm grateful for, for me, God, and recognizing the dreams and the visions that I desire um, and putting them into faith and belief mm-hmm. and the energy that the things that I am praying for have the possibility of coming true. Mm-hmm. If you didn't believe, then you probably wouldn't pray, even if it seems impossible. Right. <laughs> so I think there is recognizing that there's something that can help you get to that, that dream, desire, ask, and then giving thanks for those times before that made you believe it in the first place. That's beautifully said. I think my last, my last observation was just reading Moses and I don't think I'm quoting him correctly, but he said something about the picture that you guys take each year. Mm -hmm. How do you organize the people? Because when he came and he saw all of the other black folks rolling up on bicycles, he said it was a feeling he's never had before, a full body, chills, tingles, recognition, home space. And I thought, you know, everybody should have that feeling at least Mm -hmm. once. And for me, as a white person, Burning Man on the whole feels Mm -hmm. like that. Right. Right. And I want that for everybody. Like, may that be true for everybody. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because I was, it's, it's one, it's funny because Moses just texted me. No way. <laughs> yeah. And I'll, I'll actually be talking to him next week. So um, really fun to, to talk to and to interview uh, to the group photo and and I I so wish we were at Burning Man so that I could do do it again and I have new ideas um but you know the two years that I was able to do it have been so immensely different from each other Mm. and it's been something that I've had to almost experience through through the people who actually were in the photo because I'm having such a different experience as person who's you know creating and organizing it so it's been great to be able to have these interviews and discussions with people who were there so that I can understand what that was like for them and it's been beautiful to hear the words that they share and also been hard to even receive that it was something that I that I created and was able to give them but uh, I started the first year with a midweek idea of wanting to do this uh, group photo uh, for people of color and didn't think it was possible to do. But I actually, some for some reason, expressed this this idea to someone I had just met, and he encouraged me to to do it and to just pick a, a date, time, and location and just tell people. And so I did. And I told him and the other people who were around at that time and told them to share and didn't think even five minutes before that anyone was going to show up and encouraged myself to be proud of myself, even if three people showed. And mm. that first year, 
30 to 35 people showed up. Wow. And it was very overwhelming. I mean, even more overwhelming because it was literally this idea I had a couple days before. And at, well, you know, Burning Man, I, do. I didn't expect anyone to even remember what I said a few steps away. So the concept of coming to some place that's through word of mouth a few days later, you know, in the midst of Burning Man life, I just didn't think <laughs> that it was possible totally. to get that many people there. So it was definitely emotional. And then the second year, I knew I wanted to do it again and I wanted to do it through word of mouth. And throughout the week, I was being approached by people who were telling me about this group photo <laughs> and telling me I had to be there. So that's when I started to realize that it was definitely going to be more people and like started to get very stressed and nervous about putting what I was going to be doing, but still didn't really, the concept of over 200 people was definitely not in my thoughts. So um, it was beautiful and overwhelming, um, but I've definitely learned what it was like more from the people who stopped what they were doing and raced over there. And so hearing that perspective has been fun to uh, reflect on. Yeah, I can imagine. There was, um, last thing, one article on the cultural course correction that was put up by Marion, mm -hmm. one of the founders of Burning Man in 2019, about folks, gay folks, older folks being turned away from art cars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on this? And ha do you notice that there, I mean, I would imagine there must be a change happening and ch a change afoot for 2021, but tell me what you, what your thoughts are on this. I mean, I think there's definitely been a few occasions where I've stepped into a party or a camp and the energy was definitely on a hierarchy feeling or a feeling of this is a, you know, for a select group or we are to going to make certain people feel uncomfortable. And I ask, you know, people to step back and really reevaluate how they go about things and the energy that they're spewing out when it comes to being on the play. I mean, every day. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think anybody, whether it's a, a mock or not supposed to hurt anyone, I don't think anybody should feel like they have to be chosen. Excluded. For, for, or, yeah. And, and feeling excluded, even in spaces where people aren't necessarily saying no, it's a feeling that someone as of color has felt continuously every day where you're, you step into a space and you already know that they're looking past you through you. Mm -hmm. You don't meet the norms and no one should feel that way out there. And it doesn't, it doesn't um, represent what I know or what I feel like Burning Man is supposed to represent. Right. And so, you know, I do say like, look, there's 80,000 people and there's always going to be a few bad apples somewhere. You know, I don't, I don't expect with that many people that everyone has the exact same intentions, but right. I do feel that the majority and the only reason for so much magic, what we call magic and stuff to happen is because for the most part, I think the only way it happens is because the majority of us have the same intentions and outlook and so it's unfortunate for those who um who don't <laughs> but i still encourage people to to come and to yeah i still encourage people to come even though there there might be some experiences that people do have that are that are unfortunate i think the last point to make would be a point that marion made in this particular article it's, uh, from the 2019 journal.burningman.org. Uh, it was called Cultural Course Correcting. It's the name of the article. Mm -hmm. Whether it is in Black Rock City or elsewhere around the world, Burning Man is not built for you. It is built by you. Burning Man is not a festival. The invitation to participate is more than an invitation to have an incredible experience. It's about creating that experience for yourself and for those around you. And I think that's a really good point on which to break because the truth is we're all creating this thing. 
And I wanted to have you on because I wanted to raise awareness about this and so many other things, but I really wanted to raise awareness about this and to help folks understand this is not just some fun party. This is a cultural collective of generous, artful, thoughtful humans who put in a lot of time and effort to create an experience, a community that exists temporarily, that engages you beyond your wildest imaginings. We owe it to every single person of every single skin color to feel welcomed and and seen. Yeah. And I hope that this is the beginning, your project is the beginning of something really incredible along these lines. Yeah, I, I one thing is to remember that all of the principles start with radical. Mm. And when you think of radical, it doesn't mean, you know, something minuscule or average or normal. So if the things you're doing to make someone feel welcome is normal or average or doesn't take much effort, then it's not really radical. And then I hope and my goal around not just the IG lives, but also doing the interviews with the subjects that I take photos of is to help people gain a new understanding, a different perspective, not just from black or brown people, but in, as burners of what Burning Man is because of the the misconceptions of what it is about and why people go. And although any person can talk about the parties and all the other things, most of the conversation is going to go in depth around these, you know, magical experiences that have depth and have depth to them that far surpasses the parties. And that's why most people go or go back, at least, <laughs> even if you go with different intentions and maybe it is to party, but that's not where everyone ends when they, you know, and their journey of being a burner or, and that's not where, why everyone goes. There's just so many people, different people who go. So it's not for any one person, type of person who's into any one type of thing. And, but to also know that, yes, black and brown people go to Burning Man, we're there. And not every one of us are into the same things either. Okay. So there's just, there's just such dimension to, to the community that exists in Burning Man. Hmm. I want to thank you for, for joining me here. It, um, you know, just even looking at your photos for the last several days and sinking into what you're doing, I feel like I've had just a little touch of the burn. <laughs> and you. I just repacked all of my burn stuff. It was in two boxes and I moved from New York and I got to take out my boots and smell the dust, which was so oh. nice. So good. Dust. Smelling the dust, feeling the dust in your fingertips, you know? Oh yeah, all all of the frustrating things about Burning Man we're all we're all missing. Exactly. <laughs> you know, even though it's hard work, there's just we know that the hard work um, translates into something so much more beautiful right. in what we get from the entire experience. So, uh, you know, it's it's definitely going to be an interesting year or however long it takes to get back out there. I can't so wait. We'll see see what the what the community does in these moments will be interesting yeah i just can't wait so tell us tell us about your ig lives tell us about your ig channel give us all the details so that we can find you easily yeah so to see the majority of the images that i've taken for the project you can go to the black or not the just plain black burner project on Instagram. That's also where I have been hosting weekly IG lives, usually on Thursdays, uh, sometimes on Wednesdays. And I am just unpacking stories from uh, black and brown burners or allies who have something great to share. Mm -hmm. uh, and I will be also doing a pre-burn week, week of IG lives starting on the 23rd. Um, and so you can find those, you'll be able to find um, an influx of, of uh, IG lives <laughs> coming from the, the last week of, of, of August. 
and yeah, I'm, I'm just looking to continue doing some of this work and I'll, I'll have a, I'll miss a year of creating and capturing. Mm. So I think sharing and interviewing as many people as possible will be the goal through the year until I can get back out there. For sure. Would it help at all to connect you to a few of my favorite black burners? Of course. After this. Okay. Of course. I totally And I also, not to forget, sorry, I also um, write the blackburnerproject.com. It's a website that I'm going to start focusing more on, but it's supposed to be just as a resource for people to um, get introduced to the project and to Burning Man. And I also have a GoFundMe to help support the project that you can find a link on uh, my Instagram uh, profile or on the website. Incredible. And the blog is great, too, for anyone who is interested in going to the burn. doesn't matter what color you are, because that no. blog <laughs> is super helpful and full of all the lists of all the good things to know and bring if you're going oh, yeah. in 2021. May we get there in 2021. Let's do that. Yes, I hope so. Come on. Come on. Thank you so, so much for having me. It was such oh, a pleasure to finally meet you. Such a pleasure indeed. I really am very, very happy and honored to know you, and I look forward to knowing you more. Yes. Shall we meet in the dust someday, hopefully? Dude, <laughs> let's make it happen. That's it. We're just going to make it happen. It's a done deal. The oh, play yeah. will provide us. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much, Erin. Thank you. Bye, honey. Thank you, AG1, for sponsoring the Practice You podcast. My listener, you've been hearing me talk about AG1 for some time. I think I've been taking it daily for almost three years. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens in one scoop in the morning. The best way to start your day supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and longevity, the conversation of the moment. The taste is delicious. It's suitable whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar. No nonsense in here at all. It's a multivitamin that your body will actually absorb. If you are wanting to make an investment in your health and longevity, AG1 costs you less than $3 a day, far less expensive, and definitely less time-consuming than many different supplements. Reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient, delicious daily nutrition. And since you listen to the Practice You podcast, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-boosting vitamin D and 5 free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Elena. Once again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash E-L-E-N-A. Take ownership of your health, my listener. And thank you, Athletic Greens and AG1.